Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning, guys. How are you today? Yeah, good. Oh, you were, you were, there was a little delay there. You had to think about that one. How you doing? You should be doing amazing today because this is the first Sunday in approximately four years that we've had sunshine, right? <laughs> and so you're coming in here, you should be feeling good, right? Like the sun just like lifting up your energy. Um, we're stoked to be here today and we're glad that you are as well. And so thanks for joining us. Um, how many of you have ever had this type of dilemma? Um, when you moved to Santa Cruz, all right, so, so let's, let's figure this out. So who here grew up in, like you were born and raised in Santa Cruz? Yeah, yeah, like maybe not even half of you, all right? So um, the rest of you, you moved here to Santa Cruz, right, at some point in your lifetime. And how many of you noticed that, that when you moved to Santa Cruz, automatically the, uh, the interest level in people coming to visit you increased, right? Like family and friends and like all the people like, um, so our son and, and his girlfriend um, are coming home in two Sundays for Easter weekend. They're gonna be here and um, they're stoked for the, for the paddle out and for Easter Sunday here at Hope and um, they're excited. They're coming here instead of where she lives, like I won't tell you where, but it's, it's, it's an F word in the, you know, in the middle of the state. Um, that's the name of the city. And um, they live there and they're coming here, surprise, surprise, instead of going there. Now, uh, I'm, you know, in case you're from that place, I, you know, I don't wanna, I wanna drag that too hard, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, like we have an embarrassing wealth of choices here in the Santa Cruz area for people, especially when they come to visit. And some of the hardest things you'll ever have to do in your life is plan for somebody a visit where they say, I have one day or I have two days here. And you're like, they're like, can you help me, you know, plan out like, like what should we do? And you're like, Oh my goodness, you like pull out a book that's like four feet thick and you drop it on the table like boosh, and you open it up and you're like, okay, let's try to whittle it down for your two days here. The best things to do in Santa Cruz. So if you're watching online, you're listening to our podcast, I'm sorry. Uh, that's just the, the, the burden that we bear here um, in this place. So if you were going to take, if you had one option for somebody in Santa Cruz County to take them as they were visiting, what, what would you do? West Cliff. West Cliff. Yep, that's always a great one. No, 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 no. What would it be? No, no, you got to pick one, Mike. That's the point. You got to pick one. See, all right, so, so, so Mike and I didn't, we, we didn't plan this out, but this is what I'm talking about. How do you choose? What, what else? What else? You got to get in the water. Yo, you got to get in the water, right? What's that? 
Pogonip. Oh, Pogonip. I mean, that, that wasn't, yeah. I, I, see, and that's the problem. Like, you had, I, there's so many, like, somebody says Pogonip, and you're like, oh, yeah, man, I've been to Pogonip in, like, forever. And you know, we have an embarrassing wealth of things, you know, right? Um, so if you're not from this area, you're watching online, you're listening to the podcast, you know, from our house, in 10 minutes either direction, we either have the Redwoods or we have the ocean, Right? We can take a drive an hour or so up the coast, and we have, you know, Half Moon Bay going north. We could go south, and we have Big Sur, right? If we want to drive a little bit farther, right, we can drive four hours to Tahoe, or we can drive five hours with no traffic, which never happens. I always say that. And go south and have all of, like, what Southern California. Like, there's just so many choices um, that when we have friends that come to visit, we're always, Nicole and I, we enter into this like this like heated conversation about, no, 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 they've got to go do this, right? We have so many choices. How many of you feel like in your life that you're a little inundated with choices? And I'm not, yeah, and I'm not just talking about like where to go have fun in Santa Cruz County. I'm just talking about in life. Um, we are, I think I can say this with certainty, um, we are the generation that has had the most choices ever in the history of humanity. And it's no surprise that when it comes to our young people who are growing in their maturity, right? Like we as adults struggle with all the choices. The kids, it's an epidemic right now. There's a mental health crisis, right? With our young ones, all the way up through young adults, all of these kids, there's a, there's a mental health crisis, anxiety, depression, you know, and half of it's tied, most of it actually is tied to the fact that I can hold in my hand the largest number of choices that any human being has ever had in front of them right here. I mean, you know, I open it up and I think, okay, so which, which one of the, you know, 25 apps that have a little red number next to it, meaning there's a notification there, which one of the 25 apps do I open? And are you the type of person that the apps on your phone, you'll, you'll actually feel some stress over the fact that you've got a bunch of stuff waiting for you there, even if it's stupid? Right? Like, like stuff you don't even care about, but there's a little red number there. And so you're like, I got to clear it out. I can't have like number, you know, there's like I got stuff waiting for me here and text messages. And somebody showed me on their phone that they showed me their email app and it had, you know, it has the number of unread emails and it was like 14,000 something, something, something. I'm like, bro, just delete the app. You're not even checking your email, man. Like, just delete it. Why have that pressure of 14,000 unanswered things? Do you feel even some of the anxiety sort of welling up in you, even as I describe all that? Imagine being a young person who doesn't have, theoretically, you have more tools in your tool belt to handle stuff like that than they do, although that's, you know... We don't always live that out, but imagine being a young person and having to deal with all of that, right? The choices in our lives, it's just an unprecedented time. The good news is that Jesus has something to say about the choices that we make. 
all year up until this point, we're now in our eighth week, we have been looking at the most famous sermon of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And this collective sermon, this sermon that, that spans Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, three chapters of his teaching, is sort of the manifesto of Jesus, of what we would describe as the way, the way of Jesus. Jesus didn't, didn't like just tell us, follow me, and not tell us how to do it. In fact, he went into great detail in how to follow him, and we call it the way. And so all throughout this year, off and on, we're going to be exploring the way of Jesus, and we're calling it found in the way, because we want our own hearts to be found in the way of Jesus. We want people around us to look at us and find us living the way of Jesus in this world. So if we are what we call Christ followers, it makes sense that we would look at what Jesus had to say about this life, how to follow after him. And in this passage today, Jesus is going to be leading us through a couple of very important choices that we need to make. Now, for lots of us, there are so many choices in this life that it's hard to prioritize. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to sort of set aside the world billions, you know, whatever the number is of choices that we have in this world, we're going to sort of set aside all of that for a moment, and we're going to look at simply two choices that Jesus teaches us to make today. And in the process, we're going to explore this truth, this big idea truth, and that is that the way of Jesus invites us to choose integrity and mercy. So in your life today, we're just going to focus on two choices, integrity and mercy. And today's passage is going to help us do that. You ready? All right. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. This is, this is uh, where we're going to start today. We're going to pick it up in verse 33, which is where we left off last Sunday in verse 32. Let's pick it up in verse 33. Jesus says it like this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. And this was a, a, a core teaching that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, um, were taught in all growing up. And this is, this is true. This is accurate. This is, a, this is something that we should be doing. This is, a, this is the heart of God, right, that we would, that we would keep our commitments. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. We have that ability today, right? We can make our hair whatever color we want. But all you need to say is simply yes or no. Everything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, here's what had happened. It was true. It was true that God's heart is that we would, that we would keep our word. It's true that there are oaths that we need to make. Jesus is not advocating that we throw all agreements, all oaths, out the door. You stand uh, to give testimony in a court, right, and you take the oath, right? Like you 
you, you pledge that you're going to tell the truth. You know, there are times in this life and all throughout Scripture where we see oaths that are being made, agreements, covenants that are being made. Jesus is not saying, don't, do, don't, don't participate in those. Here's what he's saying. In this day and age, what had happened was, instead of people just being good for their word, instead of people just saying yes or no, and that meaning something, they began to swear by all kinds of things in sort of a dramatic display of, I trust me, I'm telling you the truth. I swear to God, you, you, you hear people say, I swear to God. Um, I swear in this case to Jerusalem, the holy city, they would say, right? Um, I swear on my head. I swear in the hairs on my head, which, you know, for some of us uh, isn't a great you know, display of, of, you know, what we mean to be. Um, we, there were all, they made this big display of saying, I swear by all these things, and it had become custom now. The, your ability to be able to communicate something dramatic when you were, when you were in agreement with somebody was, was the way that you sort of, like, lifted yourself up in society, this, this, was, this was what was happening in this day, right? Jesus is, is saying to his followers, listen, do away with all that noise. And in fact, what he's asking us to do is choose integrity. Now, integrity is not something that we talk about often in our society. We just don't talk about it a whole lot. Jesus is, is teaching us that when you follow after me, here's one of the things I want you to be known for. I want you to be known as a person of integrity. I want you that when you say yes, people know that you mean it and that you're going to do what you say. And when you say no, they mean it, and they know that you're not going to do that thing. You don't need as a person to have all these other things to try to prove your integrity. Your life should prove your integrity. Jesus wants us to choose integrity. Now, this is important to us because we like to position ourselves better than we actually are. This is, this is a common thing that we do as a culture. I'll never forget um, the, the time that I, I started a new ministry job and I was with my boss and we were traveling somewhere to go meet with somebody um, who was connected to our ministry. And it was the first time that I was traveling with my boss, right? And, uh, and so I wanted to make a good impression, right? I mean, we, we all, we all would want to do that. It's normal. And, um, and so, and I wanted to make an impression on this guy that we were meeting with. He was an, sort of an important guy. And so uh, we sat down for lunch. And in the course of just getting to know each other, he mentions that he knows the president of the largest Christian ministry in the world. And it just so happens that in years past, I had worked with that guy. I knew him, and he knew me. In fact, we had done some projects together. And so I said, oh, you know him? Oh, so do I. And we started talking about this guy. And in my mind, I'm going, man, Ah, this is so awesome. Thank you, God. Like, you're giving me this connection, and like this, I'm connecting with this guy, and my boss is sitting here, and he's, I'm making a good connection over here, and like, this, I'm like, oh, this is great, right? And we have this lunch, and it's great. I get in the car, 
with my boss, and the first thing he says, he says, Tim, let me ask you a question. How well do you know the president of this ministry? And I said, well, you know, I mean, you heard, my, you, you heard me tell the story, you know. Like I, you know, and I sort of reiterated it. And he said, Tim, how you came across was that you were best friends with this guy. Like that you guys just hung out, that you were just like, like tight, tight, like your family's vacation together, you know, you like you did all the things. And I was like, really? That's how they came across it. That's not like what I was trying to say. And he said, Tim, you have to be careful with your words. You were trying to make such a good impression on him and on me that you crossed a line positioning yourself to look better than you really were. And he cautioned me in that. And I'll never forget that. That was so many years ago. And I'll never forget that. He called me out and he said, Tim, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to lie to get ahead. You don't have to you know, do this little thing over here with your taxes so that you don't have to pay as much taxes and nobody else will know. Jesus is saying to you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of integrity. And so the invitation to you today is, will you choose to be a person of integrity? The psalmist, King David, says it like this. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Basically, God, who can be in your presence? Who can be in relationship with you, God? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous or right before God, who speaks the truth from their heart. Are you a truth speaker? Whose tongue utters no slander, that's another way that we have integrity in this life with our words. A person of integrity will not slander other people, will not gossip about other people. Weak-minded people talk about other people. Strong-minded people talk about ideas and truth and things, right? who does no wrong to a neighbor, who casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. Watch this. Who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Oh, have you ever been in that place? Like you made a promise, you told somebody you would do something. Hey, even, a, even in a social setting, have you ever promised somebody you would go do something with them or you would you know, do this or do that or you would help them do this or do that? And, and for no other reason other than you just didn't feel like it, you just backed out of it. Like, I just feel like laying on the couch right now and scrolling through my phone. So, sorry, sorry bro, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to help you. Have you ever done something like that? who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. This is the payoff for a life of integrity. When you choose integrity, your life will never be shaken. Why? Because you have nothing to hide. Your life is built on something strong. 
right? Like, like in the back of my mind, when I was interacting with this guy and it came across to my boss, like I was best friends with him when I wasn't, what if it had come across to this guy that I was trying to impress, really? What if it came across the same way to him? And he came back to me and said, hey, since you know Steve so well, hey, I'm wondering if you might be able to ask him about this. And then I'd be like, uh, yeah, sorry, man. Actually, like, we don't actually talk in that way. Like, like I can't just call him. I don't have his cell phone number. Like, I don't text him or, you know, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm in this place where, where my little world is being shaken a little bit. I can't keep up with what I just said to this guy, right? Um, you cheat a little bit on your taxes. I'm saying it right now because it's tax time and it's like right in front of us. Do you not know that that can weigh on you for years and years and years at any given time. I had the IRS come back to me one time for years prior and say, oops, uh, we made a mistake, and you actually owe us a little bit more. Uh, nice. We made a mistake. But what happens if they come back to you, and all of a sudden now you have to deal with this thing over here, right? A life that can never be shaken is one of integrity. You're doing the right thing. You're following after Jesus, and you live your life free. Here's what the choice of integrity means for you. It means freedom. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about somebody coming back to me, saying something to me, catching me in a little bit of untruth, you know, that I wove. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I live confidently, freely, boldly, I can run with the Spirit of God in my life because I don't have anything that's hindering me because I live a life of integrity. This is the way of Jesus, to choose integrity. All right, so Jesus goes on. He has more teaching for us, so let's look at the next section. He says this, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. This is now a true. This is an actual law. If you go to the book of Exodus... God is laying out his civil law for the people of Israel. And this is actually in the Bible. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And it goes through, if you read that passage in Exodus, it goes through about ten different things. An arm for an arm, you know, uh, you know a head for a head. It, like it's a, all these things at list. You've heard it say, Jesus says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. What? Jesus? What does that even mean? If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, this violates every sense of, uh, every bit of our American sensibilities, right? No, what? No, that, that doesn't make any sense right there. What? So somebody hits you? And then you turn the other cheek and let them hit that cheek as well. Like, so you become a human punching bag, is what Jesus seems to be teaching here. That's not what he's teaching. It's actually much, much more difficult 
to embrace this choice than it is the last choice. Because here's what this means. In this culture, if I slapped you on the face, it wasn't a violent thing. Like, like if, if, if I wanted to be violent against you, and trust me, you, you, you don't want to get in a fight with me. You do not want to get in a fight with me. I've watched so many YouTube street fighting, fighting videos. Um, at least in my mind, there are things that I would do that would hurt you badly. Um, but if I wanted to hurt you, what would I do? I, w- I, would, make, I would make a fist. Like if I'm going to hurt you with my hands, right? I would make a fist and I would try to hit you as hard as I could. In this culture, what Jesus is referring to is a slap, right? If someone slaps you on the right cheek, right? So you got your right cheek right here. The way that they would slap in that culture on the right cheek is they would take their right hand and they would backhand somebody across the face. Now, that, that, that hurts, you know. That's not like a light thing, but it was not meant to do physical harm. It was meant to disrespect. It was meant as, I'm offended at what you just did or what you just said. How dare you? Whoosh. You know, it would be like, oh, like a, you know, fancy, like, white glove. Yeah, Whoosh. and they would take that thing, and they would, you know. This is what Jesus is referring to. And what he's talking about is not the physical act of someone backhanding you across the face, slapping you. He's not talking about the physical act. He's talking about the emotional and the spiritual act of somebody offending you. As a follower of Jesus, you should be, you could be, one of the most unoffendable people on this planet. We should should have a margin of offense that is greater than anybody else in this world. Why? Because... We have been forgiven offenses against God that are so great that it would be difficult to impossible for you to do anything toward me that is more offensive than my rebellion against God before I accepted the love of Jesus. I have been shown such great mercy. I have been shown a level of mercy that that is so great that there's just little to nothing that you could do to me that would match that, that offense. And so in our lives, we're able actually, as followers of Jesus, to live a life where we can choose mercy. In fact, he goes on to say this. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, which was their, their inner garment, it was the garment that was against their skin, hand over your coat, which was your outer garment as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. If you don't know the background of that, in uh, that culture, the Roman government was oppressing the Jewish people. The Jewish people were subservient to the Roman government. And in the law, if a Roman soldier told you to carry his stuff, by law, you had to drop everything you were doing and carry his stuff for one mile. That was the law. 
At, at the one mile mark, you could drop his stuff and he had to find somebody else to, to go another mile and you could go back to whatever it was that you were doing, walk a mile back to where you were. Jesus says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, go two. Keep walking with that person. Can you imagine the conversation that would happen from mile zero to mile one? I'm obligated to do this for you. Can you imagine the conversation that would happen from mile one to mile two? Why are you doing this? What are you doing? And you know what you're able to do in that moment? In that moment, from mile one to mile two, you're able to speak and express and live out the love of Jesus in a way that you cannot do in mile zero to mile one. It's in the place of offense that we get to express the love of Jesus in ways that we can never do it otherwise. When somebody offends you, it is a gift from God for you to express his love in this world in a tangible way that you can almost never experience otherwise. But what do we do, especially as Americans? How dare you? How dare you? Right? This is my right. You can't do this. Listen. Can I, can I, can I, can we practice being offended right now? Can I offend you? Do you know how many Jesus professing Christians said, how dare you tell me that I have to wear a mask? It's my right as an American you don't tell me what to do. No, we're not telling you what to do as a church, but there is a global epidemic and we would like to provide a safe environment for people. So could you lay down your personal rights for the greater rights of the community you live in? Now we're getting personal. <laughs> now it's getting real. Could this be what Jesus meant when he said, turn the other cheek? I'm just going to leave that hang out there for just a moment. Here's what's really happening. Love is absorbing the cost of an offense. Love is absorbing the cost of an offense. This is what Jesus teaches us to do when he says, I want to invite you to choose mercy. I have every right to do this. I have every right to react like this. I have every right to turn around and do to you what you did to me. But love, I'm going to ask you to choose mercy. Choose the way of love. Listen, the law of love trumps the law of Moses. 
There is a law of Moses, right? But then there's the law of love. Jesus doesn't do away with the law of Moses, but he wants the law of love to coat everything that we find in the law of, of Moses. So the Proverbs, uh, the author of Proverbs says it like this in Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The choice is yours. Are you going to choose the gentle answer that invites love, or are you going to choose the harsh answer that stirs up anger? The choice is yours. Now, for you and I, this is not an easy choice. It's not. It, it takes humility to live this way. It will cost you something to live this way. It will take you out of your comfort zone, that's for sure. But we do it because this is the way that God modeled life for us. This is the way Jesus lived out his way in front of us. Do you know how difficult it was and how how much it, it how challenging it is for us to process Jesus being in his trial and not uttering a word? Accusations being hurled against him, right? Lies, straight up lies. A mob of people. Physical violence, torture that Jesus went through. He never said a word. Never said a word through it all. And you know why he did that? Because he knew that love was guiding his experience. It was guiding his choices. It was guiding who he was. And he knew that unless he kept his mouth shut and took the offense, that love would never break out for all of humanity. So I ask you this, where in your life are you experiencing offense? And are we willing to take the love of Jesus, accept his way, and choose integrity and mercy? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.